Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, hey, we're going to jump into the word, and I mean the word, so you're going to need it today. Um, I'm just going to kind of let scripture do what scripture does best. It needs no help from me. And so we're going to let the word speak. What we've done is um, we've jumped into a series started right at the beginning of the year. And what I started last week was we're jumping into the four purpose statements of the church. The church has four purpose statements, okay? Basically, there's statements of why we do what we do. Pretty much simple as that. And so the first one is know God, K-N-O-W, know God, because we exist as a church 110% for the number one reason, and that is to see people born again. That's why we open the doors. We love coffee. We love all the stuff that we do. We do a lot of fun stuff, and this is a great church and a great place to be. But we love when people are born again. That's why we exist. And we have no age limit to that, by the way. So it doesn't matter. We're good any age, okay? We want people to know Christ. So last week, I jumped in, and we started unpacking know God. All right, I'm going to spend each week three I'm going to spend three weeks on each of the purpose statements, okay? So this is part two of that. We're going to build on that each week. So last week, we talked about knowing God. John 3, 7, John 3, 7, this is the encounter of Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He doesn't just say that to us. Each of us in this room, if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, have had a Nicodemus moment, a Nicodemus moment, where Jesus said, you must be born again, and you simply said, yes, yes. So once a person knows Christ, once a person is born again, once a person gets saved, whatever you want to call it, all right, the most important thing you do is do what Jesus did. Jesus says, as soon as you're born again, follow me in believer's baptism, Scripturally be baptized. When, you, when I say scripturally baptized, I mean under the water. That means when your nose goes under, you can come back up, all right? Some people have told me, just leave them a little bit longer till bubbles come up. I said, I'm not leaving them until the bubbles come up, okay? That's your baptizing them, not me, okay? I'm their pastor. I'm in a love relationship here, okay? So, so when you get baptized, when you get scripturally baptized and come out of the water, you have done A and B of what Jesus said do. Number one, be born again. Number two, be scripturally baptized. That may be some of you here this morning. You've been born again. You know there's a time in your life that you've been saved, But you would be honest with yourself and say, you know what? My salvation happened on this date, but I was baptized earlier than that because that's when I thought I came to Christ. 
you need to do what the Bible says, getting your baptism on the right side of salvation. It's called believer's baptism because it happens after you become a believer, okay? And so if you're here today and you've been saved, born again, but you haven't been scripturally baptized, I want to encourage you. There's no age limit to that either. But set yourself free and give yourself the greatest gift you can give, and that is to align yourself with the Bible and then watch what God does. Because there's power when you align yourself with the Bible. So if Jesus says, after you're born again, be scripturally baptized, because that's the first step of obedience, then don't go to second base before you touch first base, because if you do, you're out. Okay? Now, by the grace of God, you're not out. But what he's saying is, it's going to be hard to be obedient if the first obedience was skipped. That makes sense to you? It's really difficult to be obedient when you skip the first base of obedience. And so we talked last week about knowing God, okay? And if you know God and you've been scripturally baptized, then you're ready for this journey that God has for us, okay? So today is part two. So after you've been saved and born again and you get baptized, now what do you do? Now what do you do? I'm glad you asked. Number one, here's what you do. Okay, here's what we are as a church. Here's what we want to do after people get to know God and come to know God. Here's what we want them to do. We want them to jump head first into the word of God, into the B-I-B-L-E, for that's the book for me, right? If that's the book for you and you're going to stand upon the word of God, you might want to get into the word of God, Okay. You've got to get in to the word. I don't know how else to tell you, but to tell you, you've got to get in the word. You just got to get in the word. So listen to me. Here's a bunch of scriptures. Don't try to go there. You can write them down, look at them later. But John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And here's the best part and the word was God. You want to get to know God? Grab the word. He said, well, I'm just reading another book. There's some good books out there. I just keep me one of them books. They'll tell me about God. No, 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 no. You can't duplicate the book. There are good books out there. Trust me. They'll tell you about God. But can I encourage you to do something? Get to know the God of the book, not of a book. All right? Why do you want to mess with a book when you can get the book? If you want to get to know God, then he simply gives a testimony that says, the word is God. The word is God. The word is God. 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Like a baby needs the nourishment of the milk. You have got to have the nourishment of the word to grow. Let me say this to you. You say, well, pastor, I don't have to be in the word all the time if I'm in church. (laughs) Woo, you a dangerous hombre, all right? Yes, you do. There is nothing you could do. You could sit under Jesus's teaching personally every Sunday and you wouldn't grow enough for that. You have to be in the word. You got to be in the word. You've got, I can't feed you enough. 
You've got to feed yourself. You've got to become a self-feeder. Listen to me. There's none of us in this room who are still being fed by our moms. All right? You've you got to feed yourself. You've got to feed yourself. You've got to understand that as much as you need the nourishment when you're a baby, you've got to learn to pick up the fork, knife, and spoon and get after it because that's how you're going to grow. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words was to me joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. When your words came to me, I ate them. Is that true of you? If someone to look at you, they say, man, what is it about them? I'll tell you what it is about them. They have a knife, fork, and spoon, and they know what to do with it. They know how to eat the word. Are you eating the word? Listen, you can go and get a water like you did in college, get a water and chips and dip and walk out. And you can eat as much chips and dip as you want. And you won't pay a dime, zero. And you'll think you did something. But in 30 minutes later, you're starving to death again. But if you'll go to that restaurant and quit being so cheap and eat more than just chips and dip, get some fajitas, in 30 minutes, you won't be hungry. The problem is we snack and then we go to the world to eat again because it's six more days till Sunday and I'm not gonna make it. Listen, you gotta quit snacking and you gotta start getting in the ribeyes. If you'll get you some ribs, they'll stick to your ribs, all right? If you'll get some gravy and some chicken fried steak and some, some potatoes and green beans and a sweet tea and a big old juicy roll, come on, you won't want to eat again. You could go light on the dinner. But some of us are just snacking on chips and dip of the word thinking it's going to satisfy us. It's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. You got to get, you got to eat, you got to eat, you got to eat, you got to eat. Psalm 119, 11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. People all the time say, Pastor, how do you know what God wants for your life? How do you know God's will for your life? Simple answer found in one piece of scripture. Psalm 119, 105 tells you that answer. Your word is a light to my feet. Okay? See, if you don't know where your feet are, you'll never know where your path is. It, 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 the instructions are pretty simple here. All right? It's a lamp to where you are. It's got to light up where you are. Lamp does that. And it's a light where you go. You say, well, there's a lot of paths in life. Yes. I had one kid come up to me one time. He said, Pastor, I'm having a real hard time knowing what God wants for my life when I go off to college. I, I think I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not real sure because I can't find the word engineer in the Bible. I said, son, you're not going to find the word engineer in the Bible. All right? Don't look for words in the Bible. Look for his direction. All right? Let his spirit guide you. Let that light guide you. Find out where you are right here and then look at your path. See, you're going to have a lot of friends and their lights may go here and here and here and here and here. 
That doesn't mean yours goes there. You say, well, I can't go to college by myself. I don't know anybody. Well, you won't know anybody for about five minutes. Then you're going to know a whole lot of people, all right? I didn't know squat when I went to college, literally, in a lot of areas. But I didn't know anybody at my college, I didn't. But some of my best friends and some of the people that made the biggest impacts on my life were those five years at college, all right? Greatest word I ever received from my life was given to me at a college. I never knew the man before I went to college. I really didn't even know the man existed in the university staff until I started dating his daughter. And when I started dating his daughter, I got to know him. One day in his office, when God began to deal with me about ministry, for I was struggling with it for like six months, I said to him, do you think I need to change my degree and go ministerially? He said, what's your degree in right now? I said, my degree is business administration and I have a double minor in marketing and management. He said, oh, no, 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 no. You stay just like you are and you can get the other stuff at seminary. All right? I stay just like I am and I want you to know something. That's the best thing I ever told, was told. Biggest, best news ever. Set me free. Changed everything. All right? Because I was struggling. See, the problem is I liked him more than her I kind of dated her so I could get his advice. So I was using him and he just didn't know it. But he's great and I loved him for it, all right? So listen to me. Some people you don't even know that God has designed for you out there is in your, the light will light your path. If you'll get in that path, all of God's divine uh, relationships are sitting out there. And all the people that God has set up for you that are out there, you don't know them until you get on that path. You can trust him. Have you noticed that? You can trust him. Trust his word and trust yourself. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living, it's a good word, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even in the vision of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner, love this, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hmm. See, when you get before the word, it might change your heart. You may have this thought, get in the word and go, hmm, that thought is not of God. Mm -hmm. You may have an intent that you have justified is right, and you interpreted that justification to be from God. You sit before his word, and God looks back at you through the word, and you go, hmm, my heart is dark, dark. That's a bad heart. You got to get in that word. Last one, I know I'm wearing you out with it. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. This is good news. This, I, this, could, this would be nice for us right now. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper the thing in which I sent it. His word will never come back void. Never. So you say, well, preacher, I've been in the word. I tried the Bible. I didn't do anything. That's a lie. You, you can't say that. 
The Bible says, and the word says, that when I go forth, I will accomplish what I sent it out to do. And it will always bring forth fruit. You say, well, I tried to buy it and do it in my life. Well, my son, when I have trouble with one of my electronic devices, my son, without saying it, looks at me with these eyes that say, it's the operator. (laughs) Because these things don't do that, Dad. And they can do that. It's got to be the operator. Well, I'm going to tell you that if you ever pick up this book and you say, God, speak to me because I am dry, dry. I am starving. I'm hungry. I'm parched. I need you to speak life from your word to me. He will speak. The question is, will you receive? Will you eat what he tells you? You say, well, sometimes it doesn't taste good. Been there. Been there. Any of y'all parents make you eat liver and onions? Liver and onions, good for you. No, they're not. They can't possibly be good for you. (laughs) There's no way that can be good for you. I'm sorry. I don't don't care what you put with it. I try to put my potatoes with it. You still taste it. I I mean, I try to put everything with it. The combination of food, like, I don't want to taste, hold my nose. It's the only thing that you can eat that you hold your nose and you still taste. And it doesn't work. God was not intended to eat liver and onions. I don't think that was God's plan for man. I don't know where that came from. Okay? Listen to me. Sometimes the word just doesn't taste good. But you know why? Because it's us. It's us. We need to change that area. We need that area changed. We need to let the word sit there a little bit because it's got a work to do. It's got a work to do. The word is sweet. The word is beautiful. The word will bring growth. It will bring nourishment. It will quench your thirst. It will do all the things it says, but we got to let it sit. We got to let it sit. I meet people over my years of ministry, a lot of men, a lot of women. They know know what I call the menu. They know the menu. Oh, Lord, help, they know that menu. They know that menu so well, when they come to church, they don't even have their menu. They do. And then I encounter these people. And I can tell you this, if they would spend a little less time with the menu and a lot more time ordering and eating, they would be better off. God is not impressed with how much you know of the menu. He's more impressed how much of the menu you do and you live out. If the menu never gets past the menu, you're in trouble. Knowledge is dangerous and Jesus didn't like it. Pharisees had knowledge and he spanked their rear constantly. Listen to me. When you study the word, don't study the word for knowledge and to impress man, but to change you. If you'll study the word and let it reflect back what it sees, it'll change you. You'll never be the same again. But don't study the word to gain knowledge to whoop other people. 
Because then that same word that you use will be used against you. And you do not want those tennis shoes on. It is said that 19% of churchgoers read the Bible outside of Sunday. 19%. Less than 20% of churchgoers, people that go to church, read the Bible outside of Sunday. Hmm. So where do you begin, preacher? I've heard this. You beat us over the head about reading the Bible, but, but I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. How many of you have tried to read the Bible through in a year? How'd that work out? Some of you can do it. I stand before you as your pastor and say, I flunk every time. I do. I, I fail. I do. So I want to give you a plan that I started using in my life. I want you to take the book of John. The book of John has 21 chapters in it. All right? I don't want you to try to read the Bible through in a year because you won't do it. Very few of you will do that, okay? I want you to take the book of John, it's 21 chapters, and I want you to read a subheading a day. Just a sub, you know what a subheading is? It'd be about six, seven, eight verses. Have a little subheading up here. You know, the one in Malachi says, robbing God. That's a real popular one to, to read. Uh, that'll mess up some good coffee. All right? but, but that's a subheading. You just read that section, all right? And then come back the next day and read it again. Come back the next day, read it again. Spend the week reading the same subheading in John. Is your preacher going any further than that? You're not going any further than John. And then the next week, you read that next subheading, and that next subheading, and that next subheading. And you're going to learn about Jesus. You're going to learn about Nicodemus. You're going to read about the woman at the well. You're going to read John 5, about the vine and the branches. You're going to get to John 8 and read about the Holy Spirit. You're going to get to... You can get a whole bunch of stuff. I think the vine and the branches is 15 or five. I think it's five. But you're going to get to know a lot of stuff. The book of John is rich. At the end of 18, you'll look back on the 31st of December of 18. You'll look back over that year. And I promise you, I'll make 100% guarantee to you, you will be deeper and stronger and wiser and sharper in the word than you've ever been in your life. Because John's gospel will rock your world. It'll change your life. It'll deepen your roots, man. Don't jump out there and try to run an eight-mile run when you can't even make one lap around the track, all right? That's embarrassing to be laying all over the track, all right? It's not a nursing home. It's a track, all right? Come on. So just bite off something you can do. Can you not read a subheading a week? Just read it. He said, why do you want me to read it two times in a row? I'm a very smart, intelligent person. I have this GPA. Listen to me. I, I know you're sharp, okay? But if you'll just meditate, 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 he'll say something different every day. Every day. And one day in that seven-day week, you'll sit down at Tuesday and read it and go, that was, that's good. You'll sit down Wednesday and go, mm, that's good. You sit down Thursday and go, 
Oh my gosh, did you, did you see, did you know this was in the Bible? Uh, well, listen, dork, you read that the last two days in a row, right? You didn't see it. God just woke you up. The Holy Spirit enlightened and illuminated the word and you saw it like you never saw it before. You can do that. Now, I'm gonna say something to you. And I'm old school. Big chief writing pad and a big fat pencil be good for me, all right? All right, put it in your phone. I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll write it down. All right, so we need to get these old-fashioned Bibles out again. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, unless you are really, really one disciplined, mature, spiritual, sharp cat, if you got it on your phone, for me, if I get a sports dun 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 squirrel, <laughs> I'm gone, man. The Rangers, what? That trade is stupid. Then no, uh, Mark, did you see that trade? I'm like, done. Done. My weakness on my phone or my, my uh, MacBook Pro, my weakness is, is weather. Just flat out weather. Dopper Dave Oliver, my buddy, he loaded me with more weather stuff. I got models for 16 days out. I can tell you if it's even got a chance, all right? And I can sit there for hours and look at this stuff, geeky as I can be in that weather area. But let me tell you something. The enemy will use that against me because he'll want me to sit down with my laptop or my computer and start looking at weather and pick this up after that. You better pick up the one who controls the weather first then I'll show you some models. I might even change that model. We're not strong enough to do it on our electronic devices. Somebody liked my post? I wonder who liked my post. Who cares? They don't even like you, all right? <laughs> Listen to me. Don't go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. They really do like you. It's because church people follow you, okay? But, but listen to me. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to hear about that. Uh, so, so listen to me. That stuff goes off, and you'll squirrel, squirrel. I mean, you're all over the place. Don't, this thing won't tell you anything like you would disappear him, okay? Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Write in it. Note. Look at the, look at the stuff outside. Oh, yeah, go there. Look and see what they, they recommend this scripture. Go look at this scripture. Go look at this scripture. Go get in the old-fashioned Word. Word. It's okay every once in a while to pop that phone out and look at the Bible, scripture reference here, remember a text, that's fine. But kid, in the Bible, you're going to look at stupid stuff when you're trying to be disciplined with God. I promise you, you are until you get mature enough to handle it. I'm not sure I'm there yet either. So you got to get really mature, okay? All right? So you got to get in the Word. Number one thing, after you get saved, you got to get in the Word. I got to fly. All right? And secondly is this, worship. Worship. Go to John real quick. Go to John. John 4, 21. Jesus said to her, we looked at this text last week. Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem worship the Father. The worship that you worship, you worship what you do not know. We now, what we, we worship, salvation comes from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. 24, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
Truth. Truth. If you don't know the word, it is very difficult to worship in spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in your salvation. I get that. But if you only know spirit, spirit, worship, it becomes nothing but an emotional thing for you. And there is no concreted, solid rock truth anchor that holds your life unless they're playing the music and Paxton plays in your living room to create that worship setting, you can't follow God. And I know him all the time. We sit with him at conferences. They worship like crazy in front of me. Preacher stood up, started reading the text, and he's on Facebook. Why? Because he is all about the emotional side of worship, but he has no truth in his life to see me in him home. You got to know the truth, the truth of his word. Truth of his word. I want you to go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all the lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is who, he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures for all generation. Listen to me. We are blessed beyond measure to have Paxton Watley and that worship team every Sunday. But can I tell you this? If you got to have them to, to, to enter in the worship, you're in trouble. You better walk in here overflowing and they just take you to a whole new level. You don't teach worship, you learn to worship. Worship is an overflow, man. It's an overflow. It's an overflow of what God's already doing in your life. We want people in this church to know God through salvation. We want people that know God to jump into the word, okay? And we want people after that to unapologetically seek God through worship. And I mean, I want you to go all in, all the way with God. You have no idea how much you have grown as a church in the area of worship. It's off the chart. Totally. And let me tell you why. It's not because of the worship pastor. It's because you guys, as a little church, have deepened yourself in the word and worship. And now you come in to worship with an expectancy and a presence, and you're ready to go before we ever start. And when you can start there, it makes all the difference in the world. Some churches, some churches, they don't even get to where we are when we start, okay? I mean, we go, we start there and go to a whole different level. And it's because of you, you're great worshipers. Last thing is this. We want people to know God, okay? We want them to know the word. We want them to know worship, grow in worship. Number three, we want people in life groups. You gotta get connected. You got to. You got you to gotta get connected. Proverbs tells us that iron sharpens iron, so is one man sharpen another. You got to get relationships outside a corporate setting. You got to get in these life groups. I want you to listen to a scripture. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and in the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Amen. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Who is Jesus speaking to in the text? Thank you. Disciples. How many of them? At that point, 11, because one jumped ship, all right? 11 disciples got this word. I've heard people say, our church doesn't disciple people. It is not the corporate church that's supposed to disciple people. It is the little church that is called to disciple people, okay? We'll bring them to the table with life groups. We'll bring them material. We'll bring them the word. We'll do all we can. But listen to me. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this. This is Paul speaking. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Come follow me while I follow Christ. How many people in your circle are disciples because they follow you? They read the word because you read the word. They tithe because you said, this is what tithe has done in my family. I'm in worship doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. The church should set up every mechanism for people to be discipled. Life groups, all kinds of things. But individually, we got to take them. You got to take them by the hand. You got to take them by the hand and say, follow me while I follow Christ. I'm going to make disciples. See, churches should set up like new members classes. I love new member classes. When you become a member of a church, you set up a class, rotation, tells, talks about the church, mission background of the church, how you can serve in the church, all this other stuff about the church. But listen to me. When people get out of these waters after baptism, and let's just say there's a 42-year-old man that comes out of the water, got two kids and a wife. There ought to be a whole bunch of 40-something-year-old men saying, I got him. I got him. Come here, man. Walk with me. We're going to do life together. We're going to eat together. We're going to have breakfast together. We're going to pray together. We're going to read the word together. We're going we're to do life together. I'm going to help you understand how to be a disciple because one day, you're going to have a brother that gets saved, and I want you to put your arm around them, and I want you to show them how it is to be a disciple. And then I want you to come along and be a disciple. And then I want you to come along and be a disciple. Jesus said, you imitate me, and you make people, you emulate me, and other people will emulate you. Because the problem is, we don't have nobody in the church that wants to take somebody beside them and say, follow me while I follow Christ. He said, well, we ought to hire some people, and they ought to do it. Hmm, okay. I don't know what you're going to do with Ephesians 4.12. talks about that some are teachers and prophets and pastors and all this. And then he says in Ephesians 4.12, for what? For the equipping of the saints. Uh-oh. For what? For the work of the ministry. For, for, for what then? For the edifying of the body of Christ or the building up of the body of Christ. I'm going to say something to you. You're not going to hear this said very often. But if a 42-year-old man comes to Christ, he's married with two children, and by the time he's 45, he's off the railroad tracks and falling apart. 
Is that on the church? Corporate? On the little church. You might think God would say the big church. The church failed him. The church failed him. Did the church fail him? Or did the little church fail him? I'm going to tell you that the little church failed him. You may disagree with me. I'm going to tell you something. This day and age, my friend, if you think all we can do is just plop them in here at McDonald's and they become a French fry, you crazy. It ain't going to happen. Jesus called us to live for Jesus and take a brother or a sister by the hand and walk with them. Are you making disciples? Are you going to church? Jesus said, make disciples. He's, he's not talking to the Acts 2 church here. He's talking to his disciples. He said, what man, what woman in your life is being more like Christ because they follow you and you're walking with them? Life groups. Every couple needs a life group. Why? Because there ought to be couples finding other couples and say, you need to come do life with us. Follow us while we follow Christ. That's what it's about. Well, I hope they come to our life group. Maybe they'll just drive down our road and see the flag. Well, maybe it'll snow at summer camp. All right? Listen to me. You've got to be intentional. Jesus said, be intentional. Go make disciples. He didn't say, go to church. Go make disciples. Church, I'm asking you, are you making disciples? Are you making disciples? At the church at Bushland, we want people to know God. We want them to know the word, grow in worship, and make disciples. When you do that, you become a mighty strong church. Why? Because you're a pastor? No. Who cares? Because the church, the church, go make disciples. We'll put everything in your hands we can put in, but you've got to put yourself next to somebody and do life. Do life. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want, you, I want you to just, just don't think about nobody else being here, just you. God, through the Holy Spirit, what did you say to me today? I need to be in the word more? Then say yes. Did he say, I want you to grow. You gotta grow in worship. Quit, quit, just let go. Let go. Quit saying, well, it's an emotional thing. I need more emotion out of you in worship. Grow in worship. He's saying to you, I need you, I need you to make disciples. Who are you discipling one-on-one? Who are you discipling? Who, who are you walking with? I'm going to pray real quickly, and then we're going to a time of invitation. And you may be here looking for a church home. This is your time to come if you want to join. If you just want to come and say, God spoke this to me today. I need more word. I need to grow in worship. I'm not discipling people. I'm not. I don't have anybody I'm discipling. 
This time's for you. This time's for you. Father, this morning, as we stand in just a second, God, you spoke. You spoke. God, make us obedient to what you said today. Word, worship, making disciples. Whatever it is, Father, we say yes. Father, as we stand in just a little bit, as soon as we stand up, God, I pray that whatever you've spoken to us, that we'll follow through and do what you ask us to do out of obedience. Father, be honored now, be glorified now during this invitation time in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 